Hi, welcome back to Gula Malaka. Thanks for joining me on this episode. Um, I know I haven't really posted much since I think two weeks back. Um, yeah, I've just been focusing a lot on my Instagram content um, because it happens to be non-fiction November and that's why I've been putting a lot more effort into finding pictures and and you know qu- captions that answer the prompts. Mm, doing this challenge has been kind of an interesting process. Um, I find that my reading has gotten a bit haphazard because um, I'm not really following a linear trajectory per se, but I'm just kind of um, unearthing a lot of books and, and experiences in the past um, for the purpose of sharing it. Both a good and bad thing. I think a lot of good reading experiences were resurfaced um, in response to some of the prompts. On the other hand, I feel like I've gotten a bit off-tangent or at least gotten a bit more confused about what the big reading theme for me this month um, could be. But um, enough of that, I think I'm still kind of in the process of it, so I don't really have a full opinion. Today, I just wanted to talk about non-fiction. <laughs> I'm so predictable. Um, but I wanted to talk about the way we think about non-fiction, or at least this binary between non-fic and fiction. I personally experience this a lot um, on Bookster, surprisingly. I never really thought that there was such a huge distinction between the two. But being on Bookster made me realize that people do see these categories as being quite separate. Um, fiction is you know, reserved for leisure. It's, it's thought-provoking, yes, but most times it's kind of a very a kind of like a different world that you escape into or at least you know you the way that people might review or criticize a a fiction piece is very different from the non-fiction piece um whereas you know like non-fiction works people might expect um dry language but they expect you know a kind of a engaging kind of delivery of the of the message and they also expect um, more of a storytelling aspect to you know to these nonfiction works, so maybe memoirs, biographies, um, these are genres that people tend towards. Um, and so for myself, I I I sort of began to see myself as this nonfiction niche, I guess, uh, on Bookstore, and I started to share more of the books that were in the non-fic category because that seemed to be what you know I was predominantly reading but of course I was reading fiction books as well um, and it was kind of weird to be so inclined towards non-fic so I, I will be trying to lessen that slant from now on and yeah going to the questioning of what non-fiction really is I googled this out of spontaneous thought the other day. I googled speculative nonfiction because speculative fiction is kind of a big thing now. Um, instead of sci-fi, science fiction, 
um, many authors are describing their works as speculative fiction. So these are works of fiction that aren't really based on future technologies, but they're based on on the world today or the world that could be um, given today's circumstances. It could be a retelling of a past, um, you know, speculative paths, uh, speculative trajectories of histories that might have occurred um, if certain events or certain um, beliefs were more predominant than the others. So, yeah, and, and I was interested, was there such a thing as speculative nonfiction? And to my surprise, there is actually a collective um, that is formed around this idea of a speculative nonfiction. Um, it's founded by Robin Hemley, who so happens to have headed the Writer's Centre in my, in my alma mater. And I thought this concept was so interesting. What is speculative nonfiction? The idea of nonfiction itself is supposed to be a work that is based in real life. Um, and calling it speculative then kind of questions this, this essential, like essential kind of definition, right, of this lived experience, of this real life experience, real life as speculative work, um, lived experience as subjective, and to some extent, requiring requiring an imagination, requiring some creative maneuvering to translate it into a non-fiction work. Now, I want to give some context to this thread of thought. Um, I've studied anthropology back in my undergraduate days, and I remember this one particular class um, that I took. I mean, the, the module itself was on ethnography, but there was this one class had, that had readings on visual ethnography, and when we think of ethnography, we might think of, you know, this very um, rigorous acad- academic form of taking notes and producing a document, producing, I guess, reproducing um, lived realities of people as accurately on the paper. And this, this class on visual ethnography kind of challenged that notion in that in thick description, which is the act of writing um, your experiences in super, super deep detail, um, that is, it's kind of like a literal translation of culture into paper, into written word. But that doesn't really capture a lot of things, you see. Sometimes an artistic expression is more of an accurate representation of someone's lived reality than the words that you write about them. So you could be saying, I was walking down the street. I mean, factually, you could be walking down the street. But internally, the way that perhaps you were processing certain information, the way that you felt walking down the street, cannot be conveyed just by saying, I felt heavy walking down the street as compared to when you maybe express that through a painting or an artwork or you express that in poetry, the the comparison of you as this person walking down the street, the heaviness of the air, the kind of cold tiles on the floor, 
and then the colors that you might associate with that experience these all add up you know to things that objectively as i describe it as an outsider i cannot really i cannot really glimpse into and that's where you know the fiction oftentimes paints a more accurate portrayal or representation of someone's lived reality and for me that's where the boundaries between non-fiction and fiction kind of blur mm, how do i say this i would say that you have to read works of all kinds you know varying in spectrums of how speculative it is to how objective it's trying to be to different periods of time from different perspectives same matter different matter you know maybe same approach different approach for me like reading poetry is as important as reading the historical context of a certain event you see when you read works of art or at least any sort of creative work you cannot really read it completely separate from the context it was produced in and some works yes like the sheer kind of value of it it's really quite immediately seen from the artwork itself but we all know that when we create something or we want to do something or say something it's always in relation to the world around us it's very hard for us to kind of make anything in isolation i think that's where my desire for both these categories i mean i'm trying to break down the binaries i shouldn't call it two separate categories but i think that's what really motivates me to try to read as widely as possible because like really truly you know a good work of fiction allows you to to move past a lot of boundaries that you know a simple fact can't let you do that but at the same time um understanding these facts and understanding I mean, understanding these facts, right, which are also relative, but understanding the way that the world builds its kind of rational knowledge <laughs> is also very useful in understanding why people are responding the way that they do and where we are going in certain directions. It also allows you to appreciate the world, I think, in, in a kind of unique sense. I think it takes a lot of creative work. It takes a lot of creativity to write nonfiction, honestly. I think it is to be able to create a story out of all these separate ideas, to weave them into a form of understanding. Um, and I don't think fiction works are any different from that. I mean, they take all these separate ideas and they weave them together and they present it to you. I think both categories... Um, requires so much creative work and so yeah I, to me I, I guess um, when I share a lot of non-fiction books in my on my bookstore I try my best to pick a variety of them um, nowadays I've been reading a lot of graphic novels 
which count as non-fiction, I guess. Most of them do, because a lot of them are memoirs or biographies. Um, and I'm starting to really appreciate it, this form of, I guess, non-fiction, because it blends both this very obviously like um, creative medium, which is the graphic novel format. It blends it with um, these... See, like these real life incidences and examples, but it could very well be a, a, a fiction work as well. It could have very well been a fictional character. Um, and you know, yeah, I mean, all these things have to be based in real life. And if you kind of dig deeper into what is really a non fiction work, um, and if you also dig then even deeper into what makes memories and what makes narratives you start to realise that there's a lot of uh, shifting of, of facts, and a lot of shifting of chronologies of time to suit our understanding of ourselves and of the world. If you look back, you don't really remember things in a very strictly chronological way. You probably will remember things based on narrative arcs. Um, you might remember things based on feelings, emotions. You know, hardly based on like, facts, you know? <laughs> um, and I think once you kind of think about that, or you see, you know, facts and data, um, and I guess to some extent, realistic writing, non-fiction writing, you start to realise that everything around us is basically a lot of storytelling. Um, because nothing else makes sense other than stories, you know? Um, and if you approach nonfiction in that way, I think it'll be a lot more fun to read. Definitely. Because if you start to ask big questions of like, well, you know, who is this author? What kinds of story stories is this author trying to compile in this book that's trying to teach me about this specific topic? Yeah, so that's kind of my whole ramble about it. Um, I hope it kind of makes sense. Um, I hope this also encourages you to kind of question your own genres. Um, I think it's useful for some people to have these genres to help them navigate, you know, the huge world of literature out there. Um, at the same time, I also hope it doesn't scare away people from certain stereotypes um, personally, I guess my preference lies a lot more in particular types of like fiction works and in a lot of non-fiction, but I, I hope that moving forward, I wouldn't have to really call my preference non-fiction as opposed to fiction, but just books. <laughs> but that's going to be difficult um, because I do know that most people still have this very um, binary understanding to what non-fiction books are expected to deliver as compared to fiction books. But yeah, so that's all from me. I hope you enjoyed this episode though. I mean, this has been on my mind for quite a while. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's why I'm such a huge believer of of reading 
all these like like big stories I don't know I'm losing the words I'm really losing the words but um, what matters the most to me is understanding the human experience and any book that allows me to understand that more deeply on any level is a book that I want to read so yeah um, I hope that this podcast episode was fun (laughs) if not I hope it kind of gave you a few things to think about if not then I guess it's just ASMR (laughs) but thanks so much for hanging out and um, I hope to catch you at the next episode Um, yeah I hope you're having a good day if not I hope you have a good night's rest and I'll see you next time